0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Shu Chapter 4. 一颗在灯盏的右边乃是依靠我的灵方能成事万君之耶和华拆遣我到你们这里来了 Thank you. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Lauren. We've been talking about, I will build my church. Jesus says, I will build my church on this rock. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is the first important thing for building the church? The Word of God. The Word of God that's at scalpel, that can take people's hearts and fix them, give them a heart transplant, a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. What's the second important one? Prayer, thank you. Prayer is very important because prayer is what keeps us close to God and prayer is what keeps us going and we need it in our homes we need it in our families we need it in church and there are many others we could mention Tony mentioned last last night fellowship and that's what we've been having this weekend eating together talking together playing soccer together playing table tennis together that's another very important part in building the church today we're going to look at the third which is the Holy Spirit and um (coughs) The title could be Turning a Mountain into a Plain, because sometimes we can see a mountain ahead of us. We're a small church in a big place called Ormiston, where there are going to be thirty or 40,000 people living. We have limited resources. It's a big mountain, but God can turn that mountain into plain. And the text which we read this morning is Not by Might, which is... A group working together, not by power and individual working, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I want you to think again this morning, what is your mountain in your life, some big thing that's blocking your way in your family life, your home life, your work life? And what is the mountain in our church life that can block us going forward? Because we want God by his Holy Spirit to clear the mountain so we can get through. And today we're going to see the mountain that faced Zerubbabel. It's a very long name, Zerubbabel. Um, hard to remember, Zerubbabel. So I keep saying it because it's easier to remember. It's like bubble bubble, Zerubbabel. Bubble bubble. all like rubble. And he was going to be working on a temple that was rubble. So you can just remember Zeman who lived in Zerubbabel. And you've got Zerubbabel. His story starts with tragedy. A terrible tragedy. Zerubbabel lived in Jerusalem, the beautiful city of God, the beautiful city that had a um, temple where they used to worship God every week. Every Saturday they would worship God at the temple. But then an enemy army invaded from Iraq. Do you know where Iraq is? And it used to be called... You know that. You know the story. That's good. And it's called Babylon in the Bible. And this army invaded from Babylon, surrounded their city, destroyed their city, and burnt it down. And their beautiful temple that they'd spent years building, that was beautiful and expensive, with gold. They smashed it to the ground. They stole stole all the gold, all the silver from the city, and carried it away. And all the Jewish people were taken from their land hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometers across the desert to go and live as refugees in this new country called Iraq. And they came to a horrible flat desert area. It was hot, dry, flies buzzing around, dirty. And when they got there, they were so sad that even the musicians took their harps I don't know if they had guitars, but they took their harps and they hung them in the trees. And they sat down and they wept. The tears ran down their cheeks. The soldiers who carried them away said, Why don't you sing us one of the Lord's songs? One of the songs from your homeland. And as they cried, they said, We can't sing the Lord's song in a strange country. We're homesick. We're longing for it. And you want us to sing about it? So they couldn't even sing their songs about their country because they were refugees living in a refugee camp miles away from their families, their friends, many of whom had been killed because this vicious army had murdered many of the people of their friends, their family. So it's a disaster. And this lasts for 70 years. Day after day, week after week, they have to work hard, as slaves live in little mud houses. But one day, they hear there's another army invasion. So this is a very dangerous time to live. One army has destroyed their city. Then they hear there's another army coming to invade the army that had beat them. It's getting complicated, isn't it? Sure. Big battle happens, huge battle, and this army managed to get into Babylon with a very clever way. They blocked the river, And the river ran under the wall so that at night there was no water in the river it meant there was a place they could go under the wall they sneaked into the city and they destroyed it now these people in the refugee camp are scared what are they going to do with us the soldiers arrive with a piece of paper king cyrus says god has spoken to him and says We must send you back to your home country. It's not right you have to live here as refugees. We're going to take you back to your home country back in Jerusalem. Wow, the people were excited. They all got so worked up. This is fantastic. We're going back. And the man with a lovely name, anyone remember his name? Who's going to lead them? Zerubbabel. Yes, Zerubbabel. You can say rubbabel. You see, it's easy to say. Zerubbabel is going to lead them back. 50,000 people, not like this, which was before, more like this. They're happy, they laughing, they singing, the children are so pleased, everybody's happy because they're going back home. And Zerubbabel, the man with a big white beard, is leading them home. They arrive in their new country. It is so exciting. They back in their country. And they climb up that long, winding road that leads, remember we talked about it a few weeks ago, to the temple. They get to the top of the hill. What they see is not a nice sight. They don't see the temple and the big walls. They see rubble. Zerubbabel sees rubble again. The whole city is flattened to stone. Even the stones are burnt. The wood is rotted. Weeds are grown in everywhere. It's a complete mess. But they like Ormiston people. They're not going to give up. So they arrive there and they start to clear the rubble, just like we were clearing up this morning, but a bigger job. They had to clear all these heavy stones, carry them off the site, clear the stuff, and then they built a little altar to pray to God and they started to lay a foundation. And finally they finished building just the foundation. They dug trenches, and put these big stones in the foundation, they now have a foundation laid. And it's a wonderful ceremony. You hear, the trumpets start to blow. Then the cymbals start, building up, building up, building up. And then the choir starts rumbling like a giant waterfall, getting louder and louder and louder. And they say, singing to the Lord, He is good his mercy endures forever. After 70 years, we're back from the refugee camp. We're in our own country, and we're building our own temple. This is so exciting. A new start. The small group is building up the new temple, and the work goes nicely, but the neighbors get to hear about it. Any of you ever had trouble with neighbors? I think quite often they had trouble with the neighbors they didn't want them building a temple here so they complained they just kept working they tried to join them to help them but they really wanted to actually ruin the whole project didn't work they tried by force it didn't work finally they tried the one solution they knew they would work they wrote to the government and the neighbors wrote to the government and said we are complaining about these new neighbors they're very noisy they' machinery going all the time. they're building, please get rid of them. And you know what? They are troublesome people. You look in your records, and you will see that these people never pay tax, and they always rebel against the people that are there. So this message goes hundreds and hundreds of kilometers all the way back to Iran, where the new king is. And the king who did the original letter has died. And there's a new king, and he hasn't heard about this. So he reads this, and they say, look in your notes. These people are very troublesome. So he gets out the records, and the man starts looking through the notes. Let's see, are they trouble? Yeah, he just reads. They had a rebellion and another rebellion, and then they didn't pay their tax. Now, there's one thing politicians like. You know what their favorite thing is? Tax. They love tax, because they can take your money. They love it. They can just help themselves to your money. And they need that money to do all sorts of things, but some of them like to take a bit more. And this king liked to have lots and lots of tax because he had to build lots of monuments. And politicians like to build big monuments, especially to themselves. And so this king starts building, and he says, no, 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 this is a problem. Stop the building. So the message comes all the way back. Months and months it takes. Stop the building. So they have to put their tools down. They'd started. They'd even started having sacrifices among all the rubble. Now they've got to stop the building completely. It is now 16 years later. Zerubbabel sits there among the ruins. He looks at big, the foundation that was laid, overgrown with weeds. He looks at piles of stones. He looks at the wood they brought all the way down from the forest, rotting. What has happened to my dreams? What has happened to our big hopes, our vision for the future, our plan to build a wonderful temple for God? It's all crashed. It's all gone. It's finished. He's disappointed. And maybe today you're feeling disappointed. Your hopes, your dreams, what's happened to them? They've crashed. Where are you? Well, listen, God has a plan for him, and the plan for him can help us in our dreams and hopes today, if you feel your hopes and dreams are gone. And the way God is going to help him is with the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah starts off, and what is the first thing he's doing? If you've got your Bible open, what is the very first thing Zechariah is doing? The very first thing. Zechariah 4 verse 1. An angel comes to him, and what is Zechariah doing? He's sleeping. So there's Zechariah who's fallen asleep. He's seen so many visions. He's tired. He's fallen asleep. The angel comes to wake him and says, I want to show you a vision. I want you to have a look at this vision that I've got for you. And he said, Look at that vision. What can you see? And Zechariah is still rubbing the sleep out of his eyes and yawning and trying to get. And he looks and he sees the vision. And the vision he can see is of a candlestick a lampstand and it's got seven branches and the seven branches are not joined together nicely they're all beaten out of one solid piece of gold beautiful candlestick just like the one they used to have in the temple that was destroyed so the angel is saying there is hope that candlestick that lampstand is going to work again as this happens He notices something that he can't work out. It's something like he's never seen before because he knows how they normally work that lampstand. What they had is they had a farmer would plant olives. He would grow the olive tree. Then when the olives were ripe, he'd get a big stick and hit the branches. When he hit the branches, the olives would fall onto a little blanket. He would carry the blanket off and he would press the olives to make olive oil. Then he'd take his bottle of olive oil And go off to the priest and sell it to the priest. The priest would then have a shower, put on his white uniform, go into the temple. And then he would go into the temple and he would pour the oil into those seven little lamps so the lamp didn't go out. God had said those lamps must never go out. They must burn day and night all the time. So the priests were always very scared and they worked very hard to keep that oil full so the lamps never went out. Very labor intensive, lots of people working very hard to keep it going. But he looks at this, and this is different to anything he's ever seen. This is what he sees. Now, can you understand this? This is the lampstand here, so that we can understand. And it's got seven branches, it's on a big stand, and there's the bowls full of oil, and then the oil burns, and there's the flame. Quite easy to understand. But what are these olive trees doing here? What are these pipes doing here? And what is this big bowl? The angel says, Zechariah, do you understand what you can see? He says, not really. I I don't know. Tell me what it is. I've never seen a lampstand like that attached to two big trees and pipes and a bowl on top. For those of you who are engineers or architects, we've done a simple drawing... the simple drawing shows how it works. There's no farmer. There's no one knocking the olives down and pressing them. Somehow, magically, these olives are turned into olive oil. The olive oil runs down the pipe into this big bowl, which is a reservoir. It sits in that reservoir, and the one on the other side does the same. Magic olive oil flows through it down the golden pipe and then the golden oil just rests in this reservoir. And then you see there's seven pipes leading to the seven lamps. So every time the oil gets a bit low in this one, what happens? It, it flows down by gravity to fill up. So this never, the lights never go out, because every time the oil's running out, more gets fed to it from the top and goes all the way through. It's like a fully automated, automatic lampstand. No human hands involved, no people working, all by some magic, the lamp burns and everything is fine. Again, the angel says to Zechariah, do you understand what you're seeing? He says, no, this is very difficult to understand. And his answer is very simple. He says... Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God is saying, you are trying to do all the hard work yourself. Your farmers are working hard to grow olives. Your priests are working hard. The people who press the oil are working hard. The priests are having to run in and out to make sure it's not going out. He says, no. The Holy Spirit is there to make things work, to make the whole system run. And it's not so much reliant on your effort or your power or your strength. It's not by might. You can be as strong as Samson. You can't do this. You can be as wise as Solomon. You can't do this. You can be as charismatic as David. You can't do this. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit. That hidden source within you. And through this power, through this magic lampstand... God is going to take that big mountain that you can't move. You might go up with your little spade and dig and dig and dig. And your friends say, boy, that's hard work. We'll join you. So 10 more join you. And you start digging, digging, digging. You've worked a week and you have a look. The mountain looks the same. Nothing's happened. So you get 100 more with bigger spades and you dig and you dig and you dig. Nothing happens. So finally you pray and say, God, we can't move this mountain. We've worked for months and months and months and look at it. It's looking at us and laughing at us. God says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Let me do it for you. And God flattens the mountain like that and I think he even plants rice. Isn't it amazing what God can do? We try and try and try, and eventually we say, let's ask God. And so we take God's Word, we read His Word, we pray to Him, and we say, God, by your Holy Spirit, please do what we can't do. And God says, thanks, that's what I'm used to doing. That's my job, I do miracles, I will do it for you. So this is the message that Zechariah gives, and he rushes off with his message to, what was the other guy called again? Zerubbabel, you see the front? No, no. Just like the singing, they they know what's going on. Says to Zerubbabel, "Here's the news for you. I've seen this vision of a lampstand." Zerubbabel says, "What are you talking about?" He says, "No, this is the dream God showed me. You see this lampstand, automatic lampstand, oil running in, the light keeps going, never stops." Zerubbabel is amazed. But we've 16 years we've sat here, nothing's happened. All we got is a foundation. And he says, there's a nice diagram in case you don't understand it. There's a big bowl there and that all runs down. And Zerubbabel gets so excited, he gets the people together and they start building. So they start building the temple. They start ordering more stones. They start clearing out the rubble. And slowly God is turning a mountain into a plain. And and they start to work. And they start measuring and cutting and chiseling and fitting in the stones this man over here is doing a great job he's got the wall built up this high they've got a special lift that pulls up that stone to get to the next level these men are measuring the stone to make sure it'll fit telling him chisel a bit more so it fits in nicely the place is humming how do you think the neighbors feel neighbors are not happy so what do they do what do you think they're going to do they're going to write a letter to the government. So off goes the letter to the government. And they say to the government, this is terrible. These neighbors are now doing the same thing again. And you must hear the ching-ching of those chisels all the time, and it's annoying, and they don't pay tax. But what's happened is the king that sent that letter back, what do you think happened to him? The king that stopped the building 16 years ago, where do you think he is? He's dead. He's died. So the king has died. Now we've got the middle row as well. The king has died and he doesn't know about them stopping the building. So he looks at the records. He doesn't see the bit about stopping the building, but he sees the original very first letter that was sent over 70 years ago that said, God has said I must build the thing. And he says, Of course they can build, because I've got a letter, an official document that says, you must build this temple, and I will give you money to build the temple. So he sends a letter back to these neighbors, and he says to the neighbors, don't stop them building, they must build it, and you must give them money. (laughs) I love that part. Not only must they stop annoying them, they must actually pay money to build a temple they don't like. I think God is wonderful the way he moves mountains and he gets the neighbors to help pay for it. I think that's um, fascinating what God does. Sorry? Mexico is going to pay for it. (laughs) What verse in the Bible is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Trump 2 verse 6, is it? Okay. (laughs) So they built and they built and they built and finally the big day comes because he had prophesied and said Zerubbabel will rebuild this temple he said Zerubbabel's hands have laid the foundation he will also put the capstone on top So after 16 years, they've started building. It only takes them four years to finish. Do you know why it took so quick? They didn't need resource consent. (laughs) It was very quick building this. If resource consent was there, they still wouldn't have just be foundation. In fact, they would have had to dig out the foundation because it had weeds in there and start again. So in four years, they've built, and look at the big thing they built in four years. Good example to us today. Look at the huge temple. It took them four years to build. And God has predicted that Zerubbabel would bring in the capstone. And I picture it like this. They're having this big ceremony. And the trumpets are playing. And the cymbals are going. And the people are singing. Big celebrations. And I think the MC says, Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you... Ze bubble, And in comes ze rababababu carrying the big capstone, the top stone to go on the top. And he walks in in his beautiful white uniform and he walks up the steps and he walks up the um, scaffolding if they had it in those days and he puts the capstone on top. And he turns around And all the people sing and praise and worship God. And the priests go into the temple and they start holding services again. Your hands have built a foundation. Your hands will finish it. God will bless it. God will do wonders. And so we need God's word. We need prayer. But we also need the power of the Holy Spirit because we need the energy. It's tiring working day after day after day. What we need is energy. What we need is power. But God is promising that as well to help finish the task. So whatever that mountain you have before you, go to God's word, pray, and ask for the Holy Spirit to give you the power so that he might turn that mountain into a plane so that you can go forward. And for our church, we need to be praying And spending time in God's Word, meeting for prayer, praying, asking God to help us, and then asking for the power to build and proceed and get where we want to go. So we can trust God for the future. We've looked back in the past. We can look to the future and trust God to help us. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you that 2,000 years ago you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And thank you, Lord, throughout the world, church is being built, not out of stones, but out of people, what Peter called living stones. And we thank you today in this hall, we have living stones, people who've been saved by the grace of God and are living stones and are built into your great and mighty church. And Lord, we pray that it will grow in our area. We pray for Ormiston. We pray for the surrounding areas that more stones will be added to your great and wonderful church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.